Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, I'm, this is where I am. I'm trepidatious. I'm on the verge of a new chapter in my life. I'm on the precipice okay. of true change. All right. As you and I were talking about off air. Indeed. Before we started, uh, my, uh, my, my fiance and I have planned to cut the cord uh, mm. in terms of how we get our uh, and she, our, our, our entertainment. We're not going to have cable or, or satellite is what we have now uh, anymore. Uh, my fiance, I don't know why I can't, I don't want to say her name, but anyway, uh, she's kind of uh, uh, tickled by how much I enjoyed the phrase cut the cord. Yeah. Which, it's off putting to me. Yeah. We're going to be cord cutters is what I keep saying to her. Um, anyway, but uh, it's, it, it's a very big change. For me, for mm-hmm. someone who uh, so much of my life is yeah. about television, and David, David, I don't know if you know or not, you have a television podcast. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. It's also gonna be interesting keeping up on hockey because sports is maybe the most difficult thing to follow uh, without without cable or satellite. Without getting into specifics, because uh-huh. of course it's personal. Uh, is this a financial decision, or are you observing Lent, or what's going on? <laughs> I'd be a little bit late on. On Lent. I already started. I'm, I'm Protestant. I don't follow yeah. this kind of thing. Well, you know when Fat Tuesday was, because I was there. I was at Mardi Gras. So oh, yes, Lent indeed. starts the day after that. Fair enough. Um, anyway. Uh, it was my birthday. I, I think it was my birthday. Um, Fat Tuesday this year. No, because it was in March. Oh, was it? Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, it was right after the Oscars. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's mostly a financial thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're making sacrifices. You know what that is? It's a grown-up decision. There we go. Well done. All right. I'm a, but I'm also excited because we have a guest that Indeed. we need to get Speaking to. Speaking of television. Yes. It's going to be a very exciting guest. I'm mm-hmm. um, very much looking forward to this and to our topic. But first, we got to pay some bills, yeah. right? we got to take care of some business. Yeah. So, everybody, uh, snuggle up close to your tweakedaudio.com earbuds. And if you don't have those yet, here's how you get them. You go to tweakedaudio.com, T-W-E-A-K-E-D, audio.com. Now that... Right there, if you stopped right there and hit enter. You know you, you're getting a quality product right, already. You would be at the home for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. Uh, real, real sharp looking. Yeah. Real sharp sounding. Absolutely. But if you keep going, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, mm-hmm. you get everything we just we just mentioned. One third off, no shipping charges. Yeah. So uh, you'd be a fool not to. You are a fool if you haven't at this point and you listen to the show. We do this every Yeah, this is episode 366. Yeah, get it together. Um also, it's time for our sponsor. Yeah. Now, this is our last week, so enjoy, everybody. Yes, and please, yeah, you know, support them. Yeah, it is the last week of the sponsorship, not the last week of the Kickstarter. You still have, like, two more weeks after right, this. Right, but don't sit on your hands and, like... Yeah, get with the program. Yeah, all of a sudden, two weeks have gone by, and you forgot to... And you forgot to donate to Zomboobies. The Zomboobies Kickstarter is off and running. It's been a solid start, but they've still got a long way to go. For those that don't know... Zomboobies is a boob-to-the-wall horror comedy. It combines a love for insane Japanese horror movies with traditional creature effects, modern digital effects, comedy, action, drama, gore, and, of course, boobies. To see exactly how batshit crazy Zomboobies is, check out the new trailer on their Kickstarter page. As a reward, as for rewards, sorry, there are tons of them. T-shirts, posters, you can even get killed in the movie by a Zomboobie. And much, much more. So reach out, my fellow horror zombie booby lovers, and give zombie boobies a squeeze. There we go. Just 
Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your encouragement. Oh, yeah. Just click on the banner ad at battleshipretention.com to help out. Indeed. So, with that, we've taken care of our business. Oh, well, we do things. have a quick announcement. As I mentioned a moment ago, this is episode number 366. Last week, we put out a challenge. Although, sorry, you and I were just bullshitting we around. Yeah, we were joking <laughs> that people should start a Tumblr called A Year of BP, in which they watch one, in which they listen to one episode a day and then uh, blog, about, blog it. about it. Yeah. Uh, two people have started that. Yes. And. Uh, so now you can go to a year of BP dot com. Yeah. I'm saying his first for two reasons. Uh, alphabetically yeah. and because he got it got there first yeah this uh that's not a quality judgment i'm putting these on equal footing right the second one is my year with bp dot com. i like that somehow that sounds no offense to the first guy that sounds somehow classier like a like a memoir <laughs> uh it makes him feel like it's a little closer to us indeed yes what's the um, over under on people actually following through this whole time i'm gonna go 30 days okay well here's my if either of those or any other potential tumblr starters are listening here's my advice to you get a little ahead early on in the run when the episodes are shorter bank a few because there's gonna be a day you know in july when you don't want to sit it's like a saturday in july you don't want to sit and listen to one of our three hour best of year episodes so yeah maybe get let yourself get a little ahead indeed indeed Uh, absolutely would be my advice if you want to uh see this thing through it could be a chore for you as it as it has been for us for like i'm gonna say five years right we haven't had to do it every day and oh man we get to go six days in a row without talking to each other every week indeed uh okay but enough of that but yes so thanks to those guys for doing that it's very exciting and uh, i've been as of the day of recording we're uh we're three days into a year of bp and uh david brings back memories to to read through that yeah um but okay we do have a guest as you mentioned Yes. And he's been very politely sitting here, not saying anything, and we do appreciate that. Uh, but I'm going to give a, a bit of a bit of an intro here. Oh, I'll sit back. David, as you know, I'm a fan of Survivor. And uh, I've been watching for the last uh, few years and getting more and more into it. And then you and my wife helped get me into Amazing Race as well. And... Uh, and I knew I started... <laughs> I like the, the way you described it. It's like your wife and I planned an intervention. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> you, you I've got, I've got, some, no- I've got some notes here, Tyler. <laughs> You're not watching Amazing Race. is hurting me. Um, but yeah, and so uh, I, I could tell I was starting to really get into Survivor when my wife and I went and watched the first season. And then we, we got to see that for free as a function of Hulu+. Plus. Then we had to purchase the second season. Then we were going to buy the third, but we opted instead because at that point I had started getting into a certain podcast. Uh, the podcast was called Rob Has a Podcast. Um, and I thought, well, I've heard good things and it's hosted by a guy named Rob Sessionino. Spoilers, it's the guy in the room with us. Um, and, uh, and I decided, you know what? Apparently this guy's really good. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to buy for Christmas. I'm going to buy his first and second seasons. And so Jen and I watched those and I thought, wow, this guy was really a, a really good player. Good for him. He deserves his own podcast. Um, that's how I think in terms of podcast. But podcasting is a meritocracy. <laughs> you, you can't just start one. Even, even in being facetious, I can't <laughs> help but laugh at that phrase. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, so I uh, reached out and uh, contacted him and uh, I've been uh, 
He and I have podcasted a couple times on his own podcast, or rather the offshoot of his podcast called Post Show, Re- Post Show Recaps. And uh, we decided to try to have him and in- eventually succeed on Battleship Pretension. So here he is, Rob Sesternino. Rob. Hello. I always wanted to talk about the Zombovies. Oh, yeah. No, you can go back. All Absolutely. Past, all past topics are open. Uh, they're on the table now Indeed. for you. Yeah. I, I want to talk about Zombovies, and then I want to also talk about... Uh, have, have you guys been watching uh, Cosmos? I, um, have, I have. I've watched half of the first episode so far. Yeah. I, well, I was thinking about it when you guys were talking about the 365 days of Battleship Retention, that there's a there's a scene where they're talking about how like the history of the universe like laid out on a calendar and mm. basically from the Big Bang is on January 1st to present time is December 31st and where all these events happen. And I was just thinking about the history of Battleship Pretension. If you laid it out on the cosmic calendar of like what episode would be March, whatever. And it would just be, uh, it's just kind of crazy to think about things in in that way. Like they did on Cosmos. It it would be interesting to see like what lands, you know, on Christmas, what lands on Valentine's day or something like that in the, in Cosmos, or at least in the original Carl Sagan Cosmos, they talk about, how on that calendar humanity doesn't even show up until late on new year's eve and so the equivalent here was we didn't start getting anywhere near good at this until december that's (laughs) about right yes black friday yeah yeah Yeah, and then there was and then there was about then there's about a week where we were good at it we stayed good at it and then we got self-indulgent um (laughs) so then we got really egotistical but uh but yeah and incidentally slight tangent um that whole thing about like in the in the cosmic calendar, humanity shows up late New Year's Eve. Some people are like, oh my gosh, that really provides perspective. My first thought is like, we're kicking ass, like we're <laughs> yeah. doing great yeah. for for relative newcomers to the planet. We subdued everything, and aside from the rather jarring earthquake that happened a few days ago, that reminds us that yes, we can be destroyed at any at any, at any yeah. given yeah, moment. Yeah, we're not in, we're not in charge here. Yeah, but you, we and, could go out and kill any number of animals if we wanted to. Right, but to uh, I think to to paraphrase uh, George Carlin, we're not actually in charge of anything. The world could shake us off like a bad cold. Yeah. I think that's what he said. I think he might have said a bad cold. And then I think I had also heard either him or somebody else say like a dog with fleas or something okay. like that. Although dogs can't shake off. No, that doesn't work. Like that. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, that's not <laughs> be better if it did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no question. Except there'd it. be like airborne fleas, like, Yikes. like missiles. <laughs> so horrifying. <laughs> All right. So, Rob. Let's get to know you a little bit before we get into the topic well, proper, although sure. there won't I, be much much in between. First question, what did you have to say about Zomboobies? Oh, indeed, yes. That you didn't get to. Oh, so, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have the answers to all the questions that I, ha- that I have. Is it, we that, can speculate. You can probably find them at the Kickstarter page. Yeah, well, yeah, it's probably, you know... Um, if they're your sponsor, they're not. They're not paying for this kind of time for the questions that I have about zombies. It may go on for uh, for twenty, thirty, forty minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah, but well, that could inspire uh, future sponsors to be like, man, they're going to talk about th- this well, thing forever. So does now the zombies have large breasts, or they are breasts? Okay. I'll be honest with you. The trailer, fun though it is, and it is a lot of fun and quite funny. I can't quite tell. Yeah. As far as I can tell, it seems to be zombies that, you know, most zombi- zombies want to eat brains. Yeah. These zombies are not quite so interested in brains. They're more interested in boobies. Oh, so the zombies want to, like, eat 
breasts. Right. But I think maybe they then bite them. And then these buxom nurses and such, I think they then become zombies. I'm not 100% sure on the, uh, I think we can probably throw quotes around plot right yeah um but yeah so uh so yeah it's uh, it's hard to say but uh you know what throw in some money maybe they'll maybe they'll raise enough money and, and we can all find out when it comes to uh when it comes to 2000 theaters nationwide Very so exciting. if you're a guy during mm-hmm. the zombooby apocalypse are you safe it would appear so yeah but well, then no because you're just talking about the first wave of zombies are like breast centric yeah but then once there's a whole second wave of i'll use your word buxom zombies yeah are they also going after big breasted women or are they just now they're just regular zombies with big breasts yeah or maybe they go after maybe they specifically go after like attractive men so okay so then if you're a flat-chested woman then it would be that would be the place to be I guess it would I mean, we don't so. know where this thing this thing could 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 uh, snowball yeah absolutely okay um yeah, there's a lot of questions, and uh, and I wish you know what I, more than anything in my life, I wish I had the answers for you, but I, I cannot provide them. Okay, well, if they get if they make the money to make zombies, the next time I, uh, next podcast we need to do, we should podcast about zombies. I can't argue with sure. that. I'll at be all. here. Yeah, it's a date. It's <laughs> um, a date. So. Uh, <laughs> Is it conditional on that? Because I feel like maybe this is you sending me a message. No, yeah. no, okay. no. I will, I will say this. I will put it out there uh, for your sponsor. If the movie Zomboobies gets made, I will come here and podcast about it with you guys. We will talk about, we will devote the whole episode to it like we did with uh, Man of Steel yeah, and right. uh, Dark Knight Rises and uh, other such things. Sure, why not? Um, and Inception. We only do that for Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, we tend to do it for like. movies we're not thrilled with. So <laughs> yeah. we promise it'll... Hopefully be a better tone with zombies. Yeah. So that's um, like a whole new reward tier now. Yeah. If you get zombies made, then you get to listen to a new episode of Battleship Retention with Rob, Rob Sesternino talking about there you go. zombies. That is an odd... I feel like maybe we... I think we might have de-incentivized, de-incentivized <laughs> some things. Um, yeah, so now we are racing against the clock uh, because uh, Rob has some allergies that I forgot to ask about, and uh, I'm worried that uh, you're going to get hit with a freight train of cat allergies. Um, so let's well, get... Now that you put it out there like that, I'm so, put it in my head. <laughs> uh, so well, yes. No, we are... Uh, you and I have both lent Rob some medication to combat. Yeah, and I'm sure those go really well together. <laughs> the Claritin and the Champagne of Beers. Yeah. Indeed. What Highland. could go wrong? <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit. And here's the thing. Rob, I apologize. The qu- a lot of the questions that we're going to be asking you at the top, I'm sure you've answered a million times. Okay. So I'm sorry in advance. Uh, so we'll try to rush through them. Uh, you know what? We'll do what I want. Yeah. Um, it's your show. You it, ask the questions. Absolutely. It's like True Detective. I haven't seen it. Um... I have seen it, but if it were if it were airing after I had cut the cord, I might not have been able to. Yeah. Well, you can you can have my uh, HBO Go password. Apparently, the uh, CEO yeah. of HBO is okay with that. Okay, wait. You have an HBO Go password? Yes, it's my mother in law's. <laughs> so um, okay, see, <laughs> it all works it. out. Pay um, it forward. That's what well, it's all about. Um, first question right off the bat that I always like to ask: Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm from uh, New York. I grew up on Long Island, uh, a town called uh, Wontaw is where my family is from, and uh, that's where you know that's where I grew up um, until I went away to college. I went to college in upstate New York, a college called Oswego, Oswego State University, and 
you know, I was a New Yorker all my life until I came out here. Um, are you, uh, being a Long Islander, are you a hockey fan or are you a New York Islanders fan? No, I'm a very big Mets fan and a Jets okay. fan, but I never got into the hockey. Okay. Well, you know, they're leaving the Nassau Coliseum and going yes, to Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I was, was going to ask if you were sore about that, but no. I, you probably don't care. No, I don't, I don't, I, I don't <laughs> care too much about it. Okay. That's, I, the, I have a topic or a, uh, 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 what's the word? a segment I like to do, which is whenever we have a guest, it's called Let's Alienate Tyler by Talking About Sports. Oh, sure. He doesn't know, he doesn't know Mission accomplished. Aside from the excitement at having at recognizing that Jets and Mets rhyme, yes. uh, that was about all I had. <laughs> okay. Is well, there a basketball not. team called the Nets? Yes. yes. Whoa, man. Are you a fan of them? No. You should be. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. What choice do you have at this point? Um, I guess I have the whole set. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this, you know what? We're not going to beat that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's end the podcast now. Um, so, okay. From New York, mm-hmm. went to, what was it? Ots- Oswego? Oswego. Oswego. Yes. Man, that is uh, unfortunate. Um, just the name, not the college. I'm sure the college is fine. <laughs> uh, what was your, uh, what was your field of study? Broadcasting. Broadcasting. Yes. That works out well. Cause that's what you do now. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> podcasting wasn't really even uh, invented, uh, when, when I graduated from there and, you know, I went, I went away to college because first of all, I, I went away to college cause I went, cause just the fact that my parents were allowing me to l- go away to college, I was like, you know, I didn't care where I was going, mm-hmm. but Oswego was one of the few state schools in New York that had a TV station. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, my goal is I want to be on, I want to be on TV. So I'm going to go to a college that has a TV station. So there was like a student run TV station. And I, from my freshman year, I started doing the sports cast on the uh, college TV station. Mm Mm-hmm. So you said you wanted to be on TV, which uh, obviously we will get to uh, in a moment. Um, was that like a thing that you wanted from like an early age? Yeah. Like, and did you have a specific idea in mind? Just I want to be on TV or you want to be on TV in a certain capacity? Yeah, I wanted to be a game show host. Hmm. And so my you know entire childhood was, you know, Price is Right and, you know, every family feud. And, and, and I would like make these game shows and like, you know, create them. And I, I didn't have many friends. So it was mostly for myself mm-hmm. or try to get my sister to play in some sort of like, OK, here's all of the groceries. Let's play this pricing game or wh- <laughs> whatever. And I would just make you know, a deck of cards or whatever and just constantly was like playing these uh you know trying to copy what i saw on the game shows Mm -hmm. that's that's fascinating we we know a number of comedians who have that have said that while they love being comedians and i know you've done comedy yourself um that was that would be their ultimate goal is to uh host like a family feud or something like that and that always fascinates me because i don't look down on that but I enjoy game shows, but for some, they look at that and like, that is it. What else, what else could be better? Um, so price is right. And what was, what was the other one? Oh, all, you know, or just all. Wheel, of yeah. I have pretty much card sharks was another okay. big, big one, uh, but you know, wheel of fortune and all the stuff. So you must, uh, be real. Do you still enjoy game shows? Not, it's not that I don't enjoy them. I don't, I don't watch them because okay. I feel like, um, you know, I would, it's sort of just like empty calories of, of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I, I sit there and watch it, but you know, if it's on in the room, I'm, you know, always uh, fascinated. 
So you have you seen this clip floating around about that guy's the luckiest guess in the history of the world no. of uh, of Wheel of Fortune? Did you see it, David? Yeah, it's nuts. It, either okay, there are two options. Uh-huh. Either it's a giant scam, right? Which the, or there is absolutely a god who has whispered <laughs> something into his. Okay, so this guy he gets to the final puzzle, right? Yeah, yeah. and they 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 grant you R S T L N E. Sure. Uh, all that one N and one E, first two letters. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's three letters, N E blank. Then you've got a four letter and a five letter. Yeah. And he and he gives his like three consonants and a vowel. Yeah. Gets none of them. Nothing. Okay. Pat Sajak, like, all right. Well, hey, maybe just uh, start talking and maybe who knows? Maybe yeah. you'll get there. Yeah. First, first thing, first thing he mouth. says. New baby buggy. New baby buggy. Yeah, a phrase that no one has said. <laughs> right, not, not a not a phrase in common usage. And that was the answer. Yeah, it was a thing. That was a phrase. Thing. Okay. Yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it's, it's unbelievable. And it you is. Can't believe it either. Which yeah. is part of the fun. Yeah, it's the like the word unbelievable could not apply more to this. <laughs> it, like in watching, like I can't, I can't believe that. Yeah, like, clearly <laughs> something is wrong here. Something has gone terribly wrong. Yeah, I would not be anyway. surprised if in a month it was revealed that this guy had like an in like had a, a cousin who worked on set yeah. or something like that. It was a, a viral uh, campaign to get people talking about wheel of fortune for the first time in 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> I do think that they should replace Vanna white. I think that's if I was a, like, I think that maybe I would try to work in Vanna white. I've had this idea for almost 20 years. Like Vanna white's got to be about closing in on 60 at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. She looks great though. She looks good for 60. Looks good for 60. But, uh, I, you know, I, I like, I don't think we're, we're getting too many close-ups on wheel of fortune of, of Vanna white. <laughs> I want to, I want to phase Vanna white in to some sort of like, you know, wheel of fortune, like, y- you know, house mother of, you know, sort of like, she's still there. She's a part of the show, mm-hmm. but we have a new woman who turns the letters. You think so? I, 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 I disagree. No, I, it, she's an instant, but you're saying Pat Sajak stays in his role. Yeah, what do you need a new Pat Sajak for? But if you had a new, a, a new hot young Vanna White that you brought in, I feel like that this could this could you know help the ratings. Do you think that's the key to opening up Wheel of Fortune to the eighteen to twenty five? <laughs> yeah, demographic? bring in a new. I think she would be a big deal. No, I think. Hey, that- did you hear about? Uh, there's a hot girl on <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. On Wheel of Fortune, I yeah, guess no. I'll tear myself away from the entirety of the internet <laughs> yeah, to watch yeah, this no, show. I think the people, uh, <laughs> the people who like Wheel of Fortune, myself included, are happy to see Vanna White. Oh, I think it would cause a stir. I think it'd be big news. <laughs> yeah, it no, be, I think it would cause a very negative stir. Oh, a lot people of would be out. People would be out, and also sexism. Like, oh, Pat Sajak gets to stay, but Vanna White has. Somehow so, but you'd out. be okay with it if we got a a, a hot host. No, I wouldn't be okay with that, but uh, either. I, 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 what I'm okay with is it staying the way it is until they literally can't do their jobs anymore. Hey. They're the institution. I will say it's this. It's called progress. <laughs> progress. You you're living in the past. They go with a younger person, but it's still the nature of, well, we need an attractive woman. What else, what else could there be? <laughs> how, about, uh, how about a super hot shirtless guy instead of Anna White? Now we're talking. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah let's get uh let's get ryan lochte to replace alex trebek who is that that's <laughs> an, an that's olympic a, swimmer oh, okay that's a name <laughs> i've heard and i don't know who it is um okay so uh so moving on so uh at what point 
Did you? All right. So I guess we'll we'll jump into uh, Survivor here. So Survivor started year two thousand. Yes. Okay. And did you start watching immediately? Yes. Okay. Actually, I was like the third or fourth episode. Okay. But you were locked in. Locked Loved in. It. All right. Yes. And you were able to catch up on the past episodes on Amazon Prime and iTunes. Right. Uh, obviously. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Back in 2000. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. I, well, I had cut the cord like you know, 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, and so at what point, like, as you watched it, did you think this is a thing I would like to do? Well, I think that everybody thought that around 2000 of like, oh, this is like, this is fantastic. And, and I don't know, they probably got like 100,000 applications for the mm-hmm. second Survivor, right? It right. was such a phenomenon. And we would have like a big, like just talked about it all the time and uh, just going crazy about the first Survivor. And so I, I was like, okay, well, one day we'll be, I'll be on Survivor. And I, I had a good friend, Floyd, who was also like really into it. We just talked about it all the time. It's like, okay, one day we'll go and, and do Survivor. And I remember like, you know, being, I was like 21 years old and we'd go like, have like, like a bunch of guys, like, you know, wherever we went on like a road trip and I'd be like, you know, sleeping on the floor. I'd like, uh, like somebody would take the bed. I'm like, I'll take the floor because I have to get ready for Survivor. I was sleeping on the floor. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, it's just like talking about it and joking around about how I'm going to, you know, we'll, you know, I'm going to do it eventually. But there was, again, no plan in place at that point to mm-hmm. get on Survivor. And so if I if I read your biography correctly, and I think you and I have talked about it uh, briefly, uh, one of the things that the Survivor casting people found interesting was that you had written a paper uh, in college, yeah, uh, called I believe like the impact of reality television, sure. something like that. Uh, so the we'll we'll get more into that and how it applies currently in a moment. But um, at the time, how like so here's the thing: I didn't watch any reality television at the time because I was a movie person, yeah. and there was more than a little, and there still is, and I'd say most of it is uh, justified more than a little snobbery towards reality television. Mm-hmm. Um, in the world. Would you say that's true? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't watch any yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. You and I watched three episodes of uh, uh, Survivor um, Africa. Africa. Uh, I and think then it was we a, stopped. I might have watched a little more after you stopped. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. And so, um, but that was it. Yeah. So there's a lot of snobbery. So like what else was on at the time uh, in the reality show world? Well, it really was. So, I mean, Survivor was the first big American network reality TV show, but it was at a time where in 1999, uh, in the summer, ABC premiered Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Regis, right. the original Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And what they were doing at the time was, hey, 10 nights or 14 nights in a row every night, we're going to put on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for for an hour. Mm-hmm. And it was a ratings you know, juggernaut. Yeah. And it was the cheapest... <laughs> crap in the world to air and it was doing like you know 30 million people watching who wants to be a millionaire a night and it inspired a whole game show renaissance Mm -hmm. where uh, every one of the four networks had their own okay uh fox had a show called greed with chuck woolery Mm -hmm. and nbc did a show called 21 and c you know cbs had their own stupid uh who wants to be a millionaire ripoff and so everybody's like, okay, we got to get a game, we got to get a game show. And I think it was around this time where CBS then greenlit 
Survivor, which had been airing in Europe called Expedition Robinson. And so it was just a time where people wanted this sort of non-traditional content that was cheap. And, you know, there was, you know, you, you were trying to, you know, take on ABC, who had Millionaire. And I think at the time, like Les Moonves called it, you know, the programming equivalent of crack cocaine because ABC just like kept putting it on and putting mm-hmm. it on because the people, so many people were watching it. And they would do it like, you know, every sweeps they would put on like, OK, you know, two or three weeks in a row of millionaire. And they just like were killing all of the, um, you know, they were number one for the season because uh, they were just trying to do the show. So I think CBS was looking for their own answer to how do we and CBS was not a high rank. I think this was like the beginning of the Les Moonves tenure at CBS. So they were, you know, on the bottom, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Survivor and CSI and a couple other things that they had done right at that time sort of like turned it around and they've been, you know, at a really good spot since, you know, around that time. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask, I don't know if this is part of your paper or not, but you, I mean, when you talk, when you use the phrase reality television, are you limiting it? limiting it to the things that have the game show aspect or where do you like rope in things like real world that had existed before that well i'm sure i talked about that um at at some point but it was really about how who wants to be a millionaire and survivor affected network broadcasting that was really about it and i sort of just like chronicled the arrival of millionaire and what the impact of that was and then the arrival (laughs) of survivor so how do you see do you see the survivor amazing race uh you know the mole what uh, that strain and the real world osborne's kardashian strain do you see them as separate because they seem to have enjoyed a surge at around the same time yeah i see i see it sort of as uh as separate a separate thing because there's you know one thing is you know an offshoot of a game show because you know survivor amazing race big brother the mall like all these things like really are game shows whereas something like the real world started as more of a documentary you know and we'll forget about what it is now but right, yeah. like that was sort of a you know a, a documentary and then something like the osbournes is i guess also probably closer to the documentary but I think with, it, a, with a hint of but, tabloid but in there too. They're, I think they're of Osborne's almost more as like a, a docu sitcom. Yeah, that because yeah. a lot of it is contrived, right? And so, if you watch stuff now, like the, the what's it, what Gene Simmons Family Jewels, like everything that happens is clearly written, like or at least like you know plotted out beforehand. Yeah, and then so and then there's sort of like this new th- this newer thing, which is sort of like the scripted unscripted show mm-hmm. where it's like sort of like the you know they the producers know what's going to happen in the episode yeah. but there's no script and sort of like you know that's that sort of thing where yeah. it's not i don't know if you read there was that uh that interview with the <clears throat> the guy from duck dynasty that caused all that uh controversy but there were also aside from the awful stuff he said he was also talking about how they make the show in yeah. which he and the like their guys and the producers get together and write out what he essentially called skits beforehand mm-hmm. and then act them out and that's that's how duck dynasty happens yeah uh, anyway so but you you see that as different I mean, that's, strains. Is, it, that's, is it a coincidence that they had their rise at the same time a show like the osborne's around the same time as survivor yeah 
Um, I don't think it's necessarily a uh, a coincidence that 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 ended up happening around around the same time. I mean, I don't know exactly uh, you know why that happened. I don't know if it was an advance advances in the technology also that it was like that the cameras were able to to do that. I really don't, I'm talking out of my butt. I really because but I guess the thing is because uh, I agree with you that things like Survivor and Amazing Race are game shows first, yeah. mm-hmm. but what made them seem different is that they injected these documentary type of things in it. And I don't know if you, uh, the avclub.com has a feature called Expert Witness where mm-hmm. they interview people who have been on different shows. They interviewed a producer of uh, uh, Project Runway. Okay. And uh, she was talking, I think it was she was talking about how they almost subconsciously like have a, divide between like what sections are the game sections and what sections are the reality sections Mm -hmm. uh and so i guess that's where i'm seeing the connection i think that at that time i think that survivor and millionaire and that sort of stuff kind of opened up networks to say you know well what's the sort of you know non-traditional programming that we could be looking at and i don't know exactly you know um how the Osbournes came to be at that time. I know that they were on, you know, Howard Stern a lot. And, um, somebody who was somebody who had something to do with Howard Stern ended up pitching that to MTV at the time. So, but I don't know if it was just, you know, the time and the place of that, that was, we're looking for stuff that's, you know, find us our survivor or our, you know, our big brother, our unscripted, uh, reality series besides the real world. Yeah, and and it, it also could not that uh, not that shows like Survivor they don't seem remarkably cheap, but I will say that if you don't have to hire actors, especially you know, or writers, certainly you'd have a lot of producers and cameramen and stuff. So it might come out in the wash, but you know, you mentioned like Millionaire, that's a pretty she- cheap show to put on, sure, um, and especially compared to the the viewership and that sort of thing. So it could be that. Um, but yeah, and that's, and, uh, that is my only theory. I've run out of them. Um, so when you, oh, go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I, cause I had another question I've been dying to ask since you mentioned wanting to be a game show host and wanting to be on TV. Uh, in the early days of survivor, especially in all the, and these other reality things, you would see people go on. I can't remember their names, but they would go on to be in movies and sure. and stuff and i remember like at one point there was a woman who a red-haired one i can't remember her name who was on the amazing race who ended up being in like one scene of the of karen cisco that show that you and i oh, yeah, about. A good show. and it was just like a, a thing uh that you saw a lot which i don't feel like you see as much of now now you see people well, we'll get to that anyway but i'm wondering as you someone who had grown up wanting to be on tv in your season of survivor were or your first one were there uh a lot of other people who had that goal in the, I guess, cast of wanting to be on TV. Yeah, or yeah. Be- I mean, other than Survivor, who had had goals of being uh, television personalities or broadcasters uh, beforehand. I think there were some people that were there more for the. I want to be. I want to be on TV, but for for me, I I wanted to be on. I wanted to be on TV, and I wanted to be on on a game show, and like you know, survivor was the game show that I wanted to be on. You know, it was also, it wasn't just like, Hey, I just, you know, I, I want to be on TV. I don't care what it is. Like, you know, I was on this game show that I loved. And so for me, it was a really big thrill. I think there were some other people there that just were wanted to be on television and had ulterior motives, but I kind of feel like those people 
tend to not do well on Survivor. I think if your heart isn't in being on Survivor, you tend to not last that long. I can I can pretty much confirm that based on the few seasons. You can always tell the people that are really excited and the people are like, yeah, sure, what the hell? Yeah. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Um, uh, but now it seems like the 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 thing is um, less going on to a to a movie career and more uh, having a sort of career in reality TV. You mm-hmm. see people jump from you know do multiple seasons of Survivor as you have done, and then jump to Amazing Race and and like there's yeah. the. I mean, there's a team on The Amazing Race right now who are Big Brother uh, winners. Were they winners? Brendan and Rachel, yeah. Yeah, and this is their second time on The Amazing Race. Yeah. Uh, is that now a goal for people? I think that coming back is is definitely a goal. People that go on reality TV, you know, how do I make an impression? How do I stand out so that they go ahead and bring me back? The first time I played, they had never brought anybody back before. Mm-hmm. So it was, that wasn't even something that we were thinking about at the time. But it definitely is like, you know, oh, am I going to make all stars? Am I going to be am I going to be back? And I get on the amazing race. So it definitely is a um, you know, something that think something people are thinking about when they're out there. Uh, and so I will use that to um, get into your tenure on Survivor. And I know that again, I know that you've been questioned about this quite a bit. And so uh, maybe we'll just spend a few minutes about it. Um, OK, so. Like, what was it that? Was it the paper or like, what was it that put you over specifically in your opinion to get on the show? Yeah. Well, what happened was I never applied to survivor. I never, I watched survivor and I said, well, and I watched survivor Africa and I was like, well, I have no business being on this show. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I would love to play survivor, but these people are starving to death. They're not having any any water uh, that I can't, I can't do this, that it's, it's too hard. And I fell in love uh, with Big Brother in its second season. The first season of Big Brother was was sucked. It was not good. But then the second season of Big Brother, they changed the game around. They made the game more Survivor-like. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, there was this guy on Big Brother, the second season of Big Brother. His name is Will Kirby. And he was fantastic. And I'd never seen anybody uh, play reality show like him or or since. And he was he was great. He manipulated everybody. He had fun. He was talking to the camera. And I said, oh, OK, I could go and, and be like this and I could go and be on Big Brother and I don't have to go in with the bugs and not eat and whatever. And I'll be in the Big Brother house and it's for a whole summer and it'll be great. So I said, I'm going to apply for Big Brother and not and I'm not going to apply for Survivor because I, I love Survivor, but I'm going to go on Big Brother because it's, it, you know, it's a bunch of people sitting around a house all day doing nothing. And this is like me in college. And I was the original cord cutter in, in college. We didn't pay our Time Warner bill and we had no cable and we watched tapes. And that was the, you know, that was being a cord cutter. And I said, this is like, and this, that's what we did in, in college. And that's what I'll do on Big Brother. And so I applied to Big Brother and I got a call back and they said, hey, we want to meet with you. And you know, I was just very out, you know, outrageous talking about how I live with my parents. I just want to get in the house with all these with all these girls. And, you know, I I would, you know, like whatever. I was like, I'll, you know, I'll, there'll be so many hot girls around. And, you know, <laughs> and I was just saying like crazy stuff. And I was 24 at the time. And they, you know, everybody was laughing in the room and that was, and that was good. And I sort of like played into like, you know, I'm the guy, I live at home with my parents and I just want to, you know, meet girls and, um, I can cause I live with my parents and I have no game and, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of like hopeless, um, that, you know, I want to, you know, get 
find some find these women and you know desperate and you know so really kind of forming a persona yes that they would respond to yes and was it a true persona yes but i did play play up that character Mm -hmm. more and so um i i really thought i was gonna be a big brother i went through casting and i met with all the executives and whatever and I really thought I was going to be on the show and I made preparations to go and be on Big Brother. And I told my boss and I told everybody, like, hey, I'm gonna, this summer I'm going to be gone. And about a week before I was probably going to leave for Big Brother, I got a call. And they said, yeah, we're not going to use you. And we feel, um, you know, you were great, though. And we, you know, we hope you come back again next year. I'm like, ah, well, this was my whole plan. And so I got to wait another year to go on Big Brother and blah, blah, blah. And so sort of out of the blue about three months later in september of 2002 i got a phone call like hey um i don't know if you remember me from casting but i work for survivor and do you want to be on survivor and i was like uh sure sure i want to be on Survivor." like can you come and fly out to la to like we'll fly out to la can you meet with everybody or whatever i'm like they're not gonna put me on survivor so um i went through the casting and i met with everybody and they ever the executives and everybody remembered me or whatever and you know, I met I met with Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst, and that's when I saw I told Mark Burnett that I wrote this paper about whatever, and I was funny. I was funny in the room, and like the executives were making fun of me, and like uh, you know, they they were saying like, "Oh, you're that guy you used to live in your in your parents' basement." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and you know, they were sort of like you know uh, making fun of me, and then they came out and, and told came back and told me, "Okay, you're going on Survivor, and you're leaving in four weeks." And they took me from CBS over on Beverly. Uh, they took me over to Cedar Sinai. I started getting like you know just inoculations all over the place. And then like a you know day later, they sent me home, and I told my parents, "I'm like I'm going on Survivor in four weeks." And that was you know and four did weeks. Did your parents later, watch Survivor? They they did, and uh, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> and so. That's the thing is, I, I mean, obviously, having seen that season, uh, I could ask you about any number of things, but I, I won't necessarily do that. But uh, so I'll, I'll, maybe I, I'll I'll ask you to boil down like what your for those that haven't seen, it, including David, um, what was your strategy sort of started in the casting session, it would appear, which is playing up a certain persona because, you know, that's what people people will get suckered into it, for lack of a better term. Um, but what would you like, how, how would you, um, characterize your strategy on the show? Well, I, I didn't have a master plan or anything right. like that. I had seen the show before and the show was a simpler show at that point in time. Yeah. You know, people just, you made an alliance and you stuck with the alliance and you went all the way to the end. And so, you know, I was just like, I knew everything that ever had ever happened. I was a super fan of the show and I got there and in my particular season, it was men versus women. Mm. And so I was in a fraternity in college and I was in a group with all, with all men. And I sort of like, uh, realized that like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a, I can't bond with all the men about a number of issues specifically that I'm not like a macho guy, but the one thing I found had a really positive effect was talking about how hot the women were. Mm-hmm. And I talk about like, Oh man, uh, you know, there was that one girl, Heidi and I'm like, Oh, she's so hot. Like, uh, like, uh, you know, I can't wait. I want to meet her. And everybody's like, Oh, you you're crazy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would just, you know, I, I'd give it, give them more and more and more. And I think the other people that were there thought I was just like, you know, an innocent guy. And I was sort of like the, you know, 
you, you know, the jester sort of, you know, make make everybody laugh and tell and tell jokes. And and so yeah, I fit in. I fit in well. And I think people were, were sort of sleeping on the fact that I was thinking a lot about the game. Mm-hmm. And I think I was probably one of the if if not the first person to sort of say, oh, OK, so I, on Survivor, I could vote with these three people this week and then I can vote with a different three people next week. Mm. It doesn't matter if I keep the same group of people in my quote unquote alliance. And nobody had really ever done that before from like round to round of I'll vote with whoever gives me the best chance to go forward and not sort of like keep this group of four people all the way straight through to the end. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's, so, it's so fascinating too. Cause I've, I've, I saw the season relatively recently, like yeah. just a few months ago and knowing what the game has become because I was introduced to the game in like season 18, okay. maybe even 19 Except or 20 three episodes of Africa that we watched. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I feel like I got it based on those. <laughs> um, and so to, so to go back and, and then I watched, you know, season one, season two, and then jump to, to six, um, it is such a, it's a much more innocent game and it's so fascinating to watch it develop at the, t- you know, when you watch season one you see the concept of alliance uh, of an alliance mm-hmm. develop and it takes people a long time to figure out, Hey, all these guys are voting together consistently. I wonder if that's an alliance and instinctively you watch and you're just like, what's wrong with these people? How do you not know? Well, they don't know. Cause it's never, they've yeah, never seen and, it before. Well, it was a moral issue for some people. People felt like even the, the viewers like, well, that's not fair that they're having an alliance because yeah. I think a lot of people, when they first heard about survivor, I think people thought that survivor was going to be something that was sort of like a, you know, people were going to be, it was going to be determined by your survival instincts. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't again to be a game about, sort of like you know strategic you know plotting it was going to be a game about who can provide and who can who can survive out there and the people that weren't pulling their weight were going to be the people that were you know kicked off the island and whoever in our minds when we first heard about survivor the person who won survivor was going to be you know this you know, Tarzan like person. Ironically, there was a person on survivor named Tarzan who was not a Tarzan like person (laughs) uh, down the line, but you would have, you know, you thought it would be like some sort of, you know, survivalist person. And it turned out to be a totally different thing. And somebody who was a master at scheming and plotting was the person who won the first survivor. And that's the thing is, you know, uh, we could devote this entire thing to just talking about the history of survivor. And so I'll try not to do that, but I ask real quick, was the, the 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 tagline or the motto what is it like outwit outwit outplay outlast was that there from the beginning yes so the producers knew what they had on their hands do you think they, yeah they didn't think it was going to be the this thing that you were describing that people thought they did did did, did well, mark burnett know that it was going to be as much about alliances and scheming i don't know became? i don't think so i don't think that they knew what okay. what it was going to be and i think that they sort of like picked the ball up and ran with it once they once they realized what it was going to be but i do feel like had richard hatch not been on that first survivor and you know some you know the first survivors defined what the show was going to be yeah if the first survivor players felt like well this show is about you know whoever we you know is 
the it, it's a meritocracy, uh-huh. uh, much like uh, podcasting with yeah. a meritocracy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, we're going to whoever does the most work around camp, that's who we're going to award the prize to. Now, would the game have still evolved to where it was now? I think so. Probably. Yeah. But I think maybe that evolution would have taken longer to get there because I think the, that it would have been like the second or third season that somebody would have said, whoa, that we, we can do this. And then that would have been the paradigm shift. Season two does seem like does seem a lot like what season one could have been, where the the final two are like honest, strong players that people like, but also have shown their worth uh, and that sort of thing. Um but yeah, so it's interesting, even within that first season, just watching the game evolve and watching the producers sort of figure out like, okay, so I guess this is what it is now. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. fun. Uh, and so, uh, and then to watch your game start to change it as well. And the idea of shifting alliances all while putting forth this completely harmless uh, front uh, you know, I'm sure I'm not the first person person to say that everybody treated you sort of like their kid brother and never, and they would never take you seriously as a threat. Yeah. I think I was, you know, I think that's a good thing on survivor to sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, hide that you're, that you're a threatening person. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of like, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. I think I, you know, unfortunately in my second time on survivor, uh, I no longer was able to have that appearance right. of that. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm just a fun, you know, guy to have around that, you know, just don't worry about what I'm thinking. Just let's, no. let's keep me around. But people, that is a good thing to sort of, you know, uh, play with appearances on a, on a reality show and come off as sort of like an unassuming, you know, person who is not a strategic threat to the other people in the game. No. And I will, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to move into, uh, your second season. Did you have something to, Just, to ask I, real quick? I'm wondering about now because I don't watch the show. Now, do the producers try to cast people? Are they trying to cast people who are fans who know the show now? Or are they trying to keep Sometimes. There seems to be a blend. Sometimes they are. They are. Um, I think that they they don't cast people who... who They cast people who are super fans, but they're super fans who are also good characters. If you are just like, go to to Survivor and and you make a tape to apply like, I'm the biggest fan and I've seen every episode and put me on the island, but you're not an interesting character, no, you won't get cast on the show. But they have had, um, one of the bigger characters that they had in recent years is this guy, Cochran, Mm. who's a super fan, but he's also like this woody allen type uh self-deprecating character uh and by woody allen type i I don't i don't mean uh any of the right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um (laughs) well we don't know yeah but and and really and who knows who does know but you know he was you know he's a super fan but he's also like this nerdy self-deprecating insecure uh character who was very fun on the show um and real quick, I will say before we move into uh, All Stars and then uh, beyond that, we could gloss over that if you really want to. <laughs> I, I got one or two questions. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I do co- want to talk about reality TV as a big. Yeah, that's thing. that's the idea. <laughs> um, the uh, I'm trying to establish the bona fides for our listeners. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're almost an hour. Here. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, we'll try. We'll try to fit this in in a half hour. Um, but the. Uh, so Cochran was one of my favorite players. I enjoyed him a lot. I think yeah. I think people have a tendency to watch Survivor and say, which one of these p- 
people am I most like? Very relatable. Cochran is me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I went to film school. I have no survival skills at all, um, including like in my everyday life. <laughs> like I can barely make food for myself now, much less kill anything. <laughs> but anyway, um, but like in his profile and in the profile of a number of other people, they cite you as being an influence. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you find complimentary or are you just like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's fine. No, I find it complimentary. I mean, okay. I feel like there is sort of like a like family tree of like of of survivor and I, I feel like i know you guys are not uh or at, at least tyler i know you're not a big sports fan but it's sort of like in the nfl you have guys who come from the same coaching tree and there's like there's one coach who had a philosophy and then there are the people who sort of worked underneath him and they're all like they all use the same terminology and, and whatever and i do feel like there is especially with the people who tend to be in my whatever demographic or, or that's not even the right archetype mm-hmm. of the super fan of the show, the person who is the, you know, sort of like nerdy type super fan who is trying to get on survivor and fill the archetype that, that I had, they've all seen all the shows. Mm-hmm. So there is somewhat of a legacy. I feel like between the person in my sort of super fan type role mm-hmm. that they've all seen the shows before and so it, it is flattering when they when they mention me. Speaking of being mentioned, I've always wondered this about uh, reality show contestants. When you're watching the show as it yeah. airs, and in a confessional, someone that you maybe didn't know felt certain things about you says something mean about mm-hmm. you. How does that feel? It doesn't feel good. <laughs> you know, it's like there was a lot of like when I remember when my season was on. There was a lot of like you know a preemptive sort of like. Hey, just so you know, tonight I was really mad about something you did. So I don't know. I don't know how much of it they're going to use. So maybe it'll just be re- like, I'm so sorry. Like, whatever. so there's a lot of like preemptive. And then there's also like the, you know, after the fact, like, you know, calling up like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, whatever. And then like, do you like people forgot they said something mean? Maybe like, did you ever forget you said something that, that got aired? You know, I would say yes. I would say that there was uh, the the biggest that uh, the biggest thing that I regret saying. Well, no, I have two things that I really uh, regret saying. That there was a guy on my first season, Roger, and there's a scene where Roger was arguing with one of the other people on my team, and they got into it like a political issue about whether gay couples should be allowed to adopt children. And like, I I just feel like people are so, are so crazy that whatever your issue is and, and maybe that, that I'm just such a pragmatist of, Hey, like this is survivor, but whatever your viewpoint is, if I was on a tribe now, I believe that a gay couple should adopt children, but if I was on a tribe with people that said like, hey, you know what? I don't think that, you know, that gay couple should, should have kids. You know, maybe maybe I'm not going to say like, oh, you know what? You're damn right. They don't. Do, but I'm not going to I'm not going to get into an argument about it because, uh, you know, that doesn't help my game in Survivor. But two of my tribe mates were getting into a debate over whether the gay couple should be allowed to, uh, you know, have the kids. And I described the person in my in my tribe that said no in in my confessional i'm like you know roger he's a bigot and and you know 
then he like he had to go he had to go and look whatever he, his whatever his viewpoint is is his viewpoint and he wasn't saying things in a in a hateful way and then his family had to see that and the people he worked with had to see that and i always felt terrible that i put him through that he had to uh you know face the charge from somebody on television that he's a bigot mm-hmm. um where you know i wish i i wish i didn't say that and then there was also something that i had said in the survivor all-stars where i talked about tina and she got voted out first and then i don't even know why they why i said this or why they even showed me says because i had no interaction with tina on the show like oh i'm so glad tina got voted out because she's a big phony and i don't want to hear that she's so it's just like uh i don't know why they um even put that in but I, i've always felt bad because tina is a nice lady did you call either one of them uh and before or after and say uh, you know, I didn't. I had no idea. I I didn't even remember right, saying right. the 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 Tina thing. Like I I was surprised that they even put that in there because I'm concerned I wasn't even on her tribe. And the Roger thing, I did. I, I think I did reach out. Maybe I really. I, I honestly I don't remember. But I always feel bad. And and he let, he definitely let me know about that. He didn't appreciate that. I always wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like the thing that would would get me. If you if you watch reality TV for any length of time. You will eventually ask, hey, could I do this? I always arrive at no. But <laughs> one of the reasons that I couldn't is the it, it can be so socially exhausting, not even while not even just while it's happening. Yeah. But even after like after sure. there are ramifications for years, you know, I would say if I was ever to do it again, I feel like the rule is. You you have to treat the stuff, the on camera stuff, you know, as if it were a roast. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that you wouldn't say at a roast about that person mm-hmm. and you can be, you know, super critical and you can you can make your jokes. But if it's you, you just have to remember this person is going to see it eventually. So mm-hmm. if it's not something that you would say with that person in the room, then you shouldn't say it on the show, because at some point that that bill will come due. Mm -hmm. And that person will hear what you just said. And so if you weren't willing to say it with them in the room, then, well, you just did. Because at some point they're going to see it and you have to deal with that. But the producers of these shows don't want them to take that advice because that's why they do these reunion shows like on Project Runway or Real Housewives. So what else about them? (laughs) But doesn't that get on your nerves when they say that? Like what else? Although I don't know if you saw – this can maybe get us into the broader topic of reality TV as a whole. I don't know if you watch Project Runway. I don't. But the most recent – uh, reunion show I think kind of backfired uh, because they were doing the thing of showing them saying mean stuff and asking what they thought and there was some back and forth but then uh, in a way the whole like cast kind of turned on the producers in oh. terms of like how they were manipulating things and how they thought that some people were maybe given let off getting let off for things so they could stay on the show because of their personalities or whatever and like the sort of stuff that people like me on message boards for 10 years have been saying about project runway and other shows uh was suddenly a part of the reunion special it was really fascinating to watch yeah, that's interesting man oh man yeah and that's and that is something that uh yeah, and that is something to come back to in a moment uh i do want to ask something real quick we will not spend a lot of time on uh survivor all-stars uh, per your per your request. <laughs> well, you can if you if you want to. I don't know how much there is to talk about. Well, uh, one thing that uh, you and I um, had coffee uh, a month or two ago and um, talked very briefly about about uh, your time on Survivor All Stars, and you mentioned it here. Um, 
you know, your first time on Survivor was actually quite successful. You, mm-hmm. you did not win. Spoilers, everyone. You did not win, but you did very well. And you, I, it could be argued you definitely made your mark on the series. Second time, you were targeted and taken out pretty early. Yeah. And, you know, in spite of the fact that you are, you know, a student of the game, you understand, hey, someone's got to go out. It's the way it goes. And you recognize, I don't have the advantage I had before. People know what what I am and what I do. Um you know, I remember uh, a few years ago I was watching uh, an episode and then uh, my wife and I would then go to CBS.com and watch the Ponderosa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, watch the, the people who'd just been voted out, taken off. And there was a, a, a guy who I believe was a, was he a dwarf named Leaf? Oh, Leaf, yeah. yeah. And um, and he seemed like a really, like he's he's a very chill guy on the show and all that. And when he got voted off... Even then, it probably didn't surprise him very much. He knew he was kind of the next to go, or at least one of the two. Mm -hmm. It shows you go to the the web series and you see him get into the you know leave, get into the van, yeah, with the survivor psychiatrist, and he just bursts out crying. Oh, and it was it was it was rough. But that's the thing is. there is, though it is a game, there is a psychological component. And I know that like you had mentioned to me, not that it's like a big secret or anything, you've talked about it elsewhere, like how emotionally frustrated you were that you weren't able to do this thing that you loved so much, but that uh, the guy who uh, had kind of targeted you, which is actually somebody that David is familiar with as a function of Amazing Race, which is Boston Rob, oh, sure. um, <laughs> that you actually were frustrated with him for a long time, yeah, even though it was the game. But sure. in real life, you were still frustrated. Well, the thing about Survivor All-Stars or any also like I knew the people I was playing with. And, you know, that never happened before on Survivor. And there was never a Survivor where the people knew each other beforehand. And so and there was a lot of animosity between the players in, in that season. Mm-hmm. And I for a, for a very long time, I was, you know, really annoyed with uh, Boston Rob and his wife, which he met on the show, Amber, who were, were in my tribe. And they voted me out, and I was friends with them. And, you know, I was friends with them, seemingly, I thought, in in real life. And, you know, I'm sure that I don't think that they, this was a plan that they hatched months ahead of time of like, oh, let's make, let's be friends with Rob, and then we'll screw him over uh, on the All-Stars. It just so happened that that was, that was how it worked out. And, you know, they looked at me as as a threat. But for a a long time, I really it really bothered me that they did that. And I felt like, you know, I had done Survivor the Amazon. And then a year later, I went and did Survivor All Stars. And I felt like, okay, well, I'm going to write my ticket because I'm going to go on Survivor All Stars. And maybe I'm not going to win, but I'm going to do great. And, you know, the world's going to be my oyster. And I sort of got taken out very early in Survivor All-Stars. And it was like, okay, basically I felt like Survivor had said to me, all right, this is where you get off now. Uh, We're going to, you know, we're moving on without you. It's been nice, nice knowing you have a nice life. And I'm like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And, you know, it was a very depressing time for me because I just felt like I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I will say that, like, there are things that are sort of peripheral to Survivor. Certainly, Survivor is a big deal now, but at the time it was huge, you know. Sure. And so I went and uh, looked on your, uh, like, YouTube channel and stuff, and yeah. I saw you on Regis and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw you on Letterman. Yes. That Letterman appearance is rough. 
Yeah. He clearly does not care much for Survivor. Oh, no. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, could you tell that he he made the survivors? Uh, they weren't. We weren't even in the studio. We were in yeah. the deli next door. Yeah, and <laughs> and so like it almost seemed like an uh, an insult to injury thing. Like already you were kind of fr- you were frustrated with how this worked out, but then he kept referring to you as a loser as a function of like, oh, you lost in Survivor. But one could say there was some subtext there. Um, yeah. and like I was uncomfortable and, and I, I find Letterman to be a pretty funny guy, not so much anymore. Um, <laughs> but like at the time I was like really angry, not merely because, you know, I, I know you and I was like, Hey, stop talking to Rob like that. But <laughs> just in general, it's just like Letterman, like, uh, yeah, who the I, hell are you? It, it didn't bother me. I, it didn't you bother know, okay. I, I was, you know, I wasn't going to be indignant any talk show host that wants to right. uh, make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> if, if Jimmy Fallon wants to, you know, call me uh, an asshole tomorrow, I'll, I'll come on and he can call me whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, you know, it was, um, I think that he was probably annoyed at the situation of, you know, by survivor all stars. I, I mean, I think that they might have only done that for one more season. Mm-hmm. Um, but by survivor all stars, this was now four years of, Hey, CBS saying, Hey, you got to put the survivor people on. And I'm sure it was a time where he needed the ratings. Survivor was the number one show on television mm-hmm. that they probably said, Dave, look, you got to do this. And he's like, I don't want to talk to the, you know, these game show contestants. Yeah. And they said, okay, you got to do it. And he probably said, well, I'll talk to them, but I don't want them in the studio. Yeah. I don't want them. Like, I think in the early days, it used to be, he didn't let them sit in the chair, but they were actually in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then, progressively that moved to okay i don't want them in the theater like they, they can go next door in the deli no. the uh, hello deli with rupert no. uh for rupert not the survivor the guy who ran the, <laughs> no. the hello deli but but that was a that was a fun a fun uh experience okay well that's that's good because it was deeply uncomfortable watching it um <laughs> so so yeah you you just said like what am i going to do with the rest of my life sure. and admittedly you've had a, you know a, a job or two since then that isn't related to uh yes to reality television but a few years ago you started podcasting mm-hmm. about survivor and then amazing race and big brother and you started adding more and more to the point where and i don't say this with any uh, mockery or anything or condescension but like you've built your life around reality television television for a while but now you've incorporated scripted television and like that is who you are and what you are um what Sorry, that sounds shitty to say. That's what that's <laughs> what you are. Yes, yes, that's, I know you're a husband and father, but we all putting a button no, on your whole life. Yeah, no, we, no. we all get it. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, like, what made you decide that this thing was what you wanted to, you know, what you wanted to devote your time to and your life to? Well, there's a, a big middle part of the story of like, so Survivor, the All Stars ended in 2004, mm-hmm. and then I started podcasting in 2010. Mm-hmm. So the six years in the middle was when I moved out to Los Angeles. I started, uh, I got involved with a production company that was doing a website about reality TV people after their show. And their idea was sort of like, hey, reality stars are famous, but they have nothing to do. There's, they're just, they're totally they're unemployed. Let's use these people. And they have fame and, and we'll follow them around and we'll do sort of like a documentary type website about what the reality stars are. Are doing after the fact and we ended up ultimately uh selling the tv show to e about this and doing a uh a mo- uh, we actually d- made a movie which was like a project Greenlight with the reality stars which is sort of um 
you know, its own uh, zombie of of reality <laughs> stars. And so uh, ultimately that production company ended up going out of business because that's what happens when you, you know, decide to make a movie with all reality stars. <laughs> and so, but we ended up getting involved in creating web series. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of learned from the guy who uh really ran this production company is a guy named Scott Zacharin and he created the first interactive web series on basically on, on the internet in 1995 and it was sort of just like blog posts but nobody was doing anything like that where it's like people were fake blogging in 1995 and people thought it was real hmm. and they got a lot of attention for this thing called the spot and so when YouTube came around we started creating interactive web series at that time and they started to gain more and more uh, notoriety. And we were doing shows on YouTube for a couple of years. And then we ended up doing the first original web series for MySpace. And so, you know, there was a good point in time where I did nothing but, you know, write, shoot, and direct uh, web series. And that was, you know, all, you know, everything was going really, really great. In 2008, we had like uh, financing in our company and everything was good. And then when, you know, this, the economy went went bad really fast, our financer uh, ended up like pulling all their money back. And then so basically we had no way to fund the production that we were doing. Hmm. And so I was basically unemployed. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, okay, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a sitcom writer now. I'm going to write sitcom spec scripts. And I worked on, I took classes and I just, I needed a place to sort of like put my resume and whatever. And so I ended up creating Rob has a website and I said, okay, I'll, let me blog also on here. And then I said, okay, well, I should do a podcast also that I think mm-hmm. that'll be, that'll be fun. And, and, you know, I have nothing else to be doing right now because I'm unemployed. And, it's usually how it goes. Yeah. And so I started, you know, messing around with the podcast. And like at this point, in time, I wasn't even watching Survivor anymore. Like hmm. I was really just completely, you know, they don't need me. I don't need them. Like I'd check back in once in a while. But I was Survivor was not a part of my life at this hmm. point in time. And it was the 10 year anniversary of Survivor at, at around that point. And they were doing a big, you know, anniversary season where they brought a lot of people back. And I happened to know a lot of the people. And I went to the 10 year anniversary party. And, you know, my podcast wasn't really going anywhere. And I was just sort of like talking to my friends about whatever. And um, it was also the final season of Lost, which I was really into. And I said, okay, well, I should just podcast about, about what TV shows I'm watching. So. That's what that's what I'll do. And that was sort of where, you know, I sort of uh, revived Rob has a podcast, which I had done like 10 episodes or so of just me talking to my friends or my wife mm-hmm. about stuff. And like, you know, I don't know, 50 people listen to it or whatever. And so and then in the beginning of 2010, I relaunched Rob as a podcast talking about Survivor and Lost and Ultimately, then we started talking about Celebrity Apprentice. And then that summer, we started talking about Big Brother. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it just continued to snowball. And so now you are in a so you are in a rare uh, position. And I'm fine with this turned into mostly an interview episode. But uh, like, you know, a lot about reality television at this point. And yes. again, you watch other things as well. But you're kind of in a rare position. Uh, here's one of the things that made me think of this and, and wanting to have you on the show aside from just, Hey, all right. Uh, one of my favorite survivors. Um, aside from that, uh, I was at the gym the other day Whoa! and yeah, I know it's a big deal for me. <laughs> yes. Um, 
and they had a they had um uh, they have you know TVs on and I could plug in my headphones and I could listen to that if I wanted yeah. to uh I never do because I'm not usually interested in what is playing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it was playing was a show on I believe Bravo. Yeah. Um the name of which I don't recall, but it seemed to, it's like the Shaw of something. Yeah, Shaw's of Sunset. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing. I didn't see, uh, I didn't hear anything. I saw enough to know that I didn't want to hear anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was that. And then uh, my wife has watched, uh, oh, hell. However many children and counting. Yeah, uh, about the is it 19 now? Pretty sure it's okay. 19. Uh, and it's like with say. the Duggars and stuff. And then there was like John and Kate plus eight. But then of course there's big brother, which I think this last summer made a big splash with some racism. I think, mm-hmm. right. There were some racist moments. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you said that like you were at a Senate hearing or something. There were some, yes, yes I'm sorry. it did happen. Um, and so, uh, so I found myself thinking, like, what is the state of reality television right now? And I know that you can't watch all of it, obviously. Mm. But, like, in your opinion, what does it look like right now? Are you pleased? Are you not pleased? Like, wh- what well, do you think? Just just to clarify. So in in my podcasting and what I watch, I podcast about strategic competition mm-hmm. reality shows. So the Kardashians, the Shaws of Sunset, the... Basically, the, um, you know, docu-reality shows, like, I don't, I don't podcast about them. I don't, I don't watch them. Mm -hmm. And so, I really can't speak, speak to those. Okay. But as far as the state of, you know, the survivors, Big Brothers, Amazing Races of the world, I mean, I feel like the, you know, things are, you know, the shows are not the phenomenon which they were when they first when they first launched. And Big Brother, I don't know if it was ever a, a phenomenon, but the shows have like a built-in audience that I feel like has eroded slower than the average network TV audience. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that. It's going to be interesting to see how long these th- those three franchises go on because if you t- if you would ever take Survivor and Survivor is has beaten American Idol in the ratings the last 2 weeks which it had never done before Survivor has like you know proven to have this longevity that and it's actually the last 2 seasons of Survivor I think that the network has been very pleased with how it's done and so I think people have been, you know, talking about the demise of these shows for a, for a long time, but the shows just continue to perform. And if you were to ever take them off, I mean, a show like Survivor, Big Brother, and Amazing Race has this built-in audience that's been established over 10 or 12 years. And, you know, new people, you know, some people leave the show, but, you know, new fans come on. And whatever you were going to put on in its place, you have no guarantee that it's going to have that fan base. And it's mm-hmm. almost like a Star Trek or something like that where, you know, there's a whole fan community that's around each of these shows. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the community is is very strong around these franchises and I feel like um and I don't even know if a show like American Idol has that. I don't know if that there are people who are just fans of like uh all the I'm sure there are. Uh, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like that the reality shows are going to be are, are 
it's it's interesting to see what the future is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if even if a show like a, like a Survivor, you know, could it could it just could it go on for ten more years? So like, could it go on for fifteen more years? Could it be sort of like a Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Like we don't talk like we were talking about Wheel of Fortune before, but we don't talk about Wheel of Fortune. Like when is Wheel of Fortune going to go off the air? I mean, mm-hmm. when is how long is Jeopardy going to be on for? <laughs> Like, do you think Jeopardy is going to get canceled soon? It just is an institution. I think that's – there was the, – the rise of this kind of show happened so so fast that it felt like it was a fad. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only in the past couple of years that people have finally started to come to terms with the fact that it, it's not a fad. It's just sort of a part of the fabric now. And some of these shows are going to be good. Yeah. And some of the – a lot of these shows are going to be terrible, just like any sort of genre or subgenre. I should throw The Bachelor in there. I don't podcast The Bachelor, but I, I mean The Bachelor doesn't seem like that's slowing down anytime soon. That seems mm. like that has, a, you know, a lot of legs that that's just now, continue to go on uh, and on. Amazing Race is not enjoying great ratings this season, from what I understand. I don't really follow ratings that well, but I think... Well, Amazing Race was in a tough spot. It has already been renewed for the following season, so um, Amazing Race is definitely going to come back for season 25. Amazing Race premiered up against the closing ceremonies of the Winter Olympics on, I think it was the 23rd, and then the Oscars were the second Sunday that it was on up against. Mm -hmm. So it got off out of the gate against two big uh, draws. So I think it's actually performed better the next couple of weeks, but uh, that was that was tough. Well, I I actually had meant to ask you. So there's they're both CBS shows, Survivor and The Amazing Race. And Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, But I I guess those two always feel like Survivor was clearly, I think, uh, I mean, again, I don't follow ratings, but it seemed like Survivor was always the bigger ratings winner. Yeah. But Amazing Race was always the critical and Emmy winner. Is there a sort of rivalry? Do, do you do you feel that? Well, I don't. Lately, I don't think either of them has won the Emmy. But um, the the story that I had heard was that because the Amazing Race, because Jerry Bruckheimer is mm-hmm. um, part of the you know the yeah, creative yeah. team with the Amazing Race, that he has so much pull that he's able to you know the all the Emmys that it had won. That it, a lot of it had to do with yeah. uh, Jerry Bruckheimer being involved, and it is a pretty astounding number of Emmy, the number of years in a row. That I think they won. won like six or seven times in a row, yeah, and then it's pretty. Crazy. But now it's like you know other sh- like the um, well, top, top chef. chef, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I had a question. In your opinion, um, and I know we should start wrapping up. I'm sorry. It's well, been I still so, have more so questions well, about reality tv in general okay uh well what i was going to ask uh is is uh, along those lines um so stuff like survivor and uh amazing race and big brother and that sort of thing like they do have these built-in audiences and at this point i am one of them i will watch every time it comes on and and i'm usually very excited do you Um, watch big brother no oh no 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 (laughs) sorry no, I can't. Mostly because I, I I can't really commit to it. It's a like big it's, commitment. Yeah. It's always, yeah. And so, um, well, then, Big Brother Canada is definitely not for you. Then, okay, really? Is the what is the, so the schedule? Nights a week? No, it's 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 the same schedule as uh, U.S. Uh, big Brother, but it's the Canadian version of Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same, except it's, but it's not like even, me. it's not even our Big Brother in the United States. Yeah, because they're like really polite to each other. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's actually pretty good, the Big Brother Canada. Oh man. It's, is it as racist? Uh, again, the Big Brother in general is not 
racist show that what happened last season on big brother was it was like that it was like you know people were at a party mm-hmm. and somebody told an off-color joke and nobody stepped up and said hey you know that's not cool that's mm-hmm. let's so somebody told an off-color joke so the next person told an off-color joke and so the so the vibe in the house was like hey it's okay to nobody has said we shouldn't be doing this or like no nobody has said don't say that so it was sort of like there was a period where you know one person after the next was like saying like there and there in the way that the try or the house dynamics had set up that there was uh a woman who was african-american who was sort of at the bottom and a lot of the women in the house were sort of like uh you know uh being catty towards her and saying things like uh you know uh what you know she you can't see her in the dark or something like that like just like just like uh you know and stuff that you shouldn't be saying but then they were all laughing and -hmm. nobody nobody had said hey like don't say that and so like then somebody else would say something inappropriate or some like a girl was doing like an impression of like um a manicurist in like a korean accent and so but but it was like a lot of the stuff that was they brought in their scope it sounds like too a lot of the stuff was said was (laughs) in jest but it was off color humor what was Mm -hmm. it like so i because i don't watch the show but they when they get voted off, they immediately go yes. to interview with Julie yes. Chen, right? Yes. And so that's where that woman found out that she lost her job, right? In that interview, did Julie Chen bring it up? You know, honestly, I don't remember if they told her that just she lost her job. And, and okay. it was actually sort of like a, I, I had a little bit of a problem with how they how they did that because one that there's a Big Brother live feed of people that watch it on the internet and that see everything. And post about it everywhere on the message boards. And then there's people that there's storylines that happen on the TV show. And just because something's happening in the house that everybody in the Internet knows about, they don't necessarily make it a storyline on the show. Mm -hmm. And for a long time in the house or on the show, they weren't really touching on the racism storyline. But it became such a national news story of all Mm -hmm. of the race. TMZ was like, you know, TMZ was pulling the clips off the live feeds and saying, oh, here's this inappropriate comment. So they sort of completely scapegoated all of the racist things that were said on one girl in the house. Mm-hmm. That and was they, a, the short blonde Aaron, girl who lost her yeah. job. Yeah. And so they basically, even though there was like three or four people that ended up like losing their jobs for saying oh, really? inappropriate things on the live feeds, but on the TV show, they all put it on this one girl. Mm-hmm. And so when she came out of the house after like 50 days in the Big Brother house, Julie Chen confronted her and said, actually, uh, you know, you said some very inappropriate things in the house. You said blah 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 and you said blah 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 and you said and you said this other what do you what do you have to say for yourself and she was just like really blindsided like i don't remember saying that and she's like you know well we you know i could believe me you said it and to me i felt like to come out of like a 50 day experience at the big brother house i'm on national television and you're blindsiding me with you know that here's something that you said and from a conversation that you had you know a month and a half ago like who remembers every single thing that they said like i just felt like for her to have to comment on that live in front of a national audience without ever seeing the footage Mm -hmm. where it's sort of like she's on trial now in the court of public opinion and she doesn't really have the evidence that she's being charged with yeah 
So I didn't like how they did that. Hmm. That's interesting. And it's, and you know what, honestly, like, I feel like that's the kind of perspective that somebody who's been in a situation like that would have, which is like, Hey, slow down. Not everything you say makes it to air and not everything <laughs> that makes it to air is exactly how you said it. Yeah. Um, well, I think you're calling me a racist for a second. <laughs> But speaking of I can't the, uh, rule that yeah. out. Speaking of your perspective on the show, I want to talk about The Amazing Race because okay. we, we haven't talked about it very much. It's, uh, but it, I've loved it for a long time. Uh, but my least favorite thing, and I grit my teeth every season when it comes up, was the addition of the U-turn. U-turn, okay. I, I hate it. Double U-turn or regular U-turn? I, I hate both U-turns because early, you know, for the first... A d- uh, blind double U-turn? <laughs> I hate all the U-turns. Okay. Because for the first, I don't know, almost, I don't know, like eight, more more than that, nine or ten seasons, there was no U-turn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, uh, and maybe I just need to like get used to this is what it's like, but I feel like that was a, an element that was added, not necessarily to affect the gameplay so much as to affect the more documentary reality part of it, to, to inspire conflict. more sort of conflict and acrimony among people. And that that bothers me. What what is your point of view on that? And, and I'm sure Survivor has added rules. Yeah, no, like I like it. I like it, but I'm not as much of a purist on the okay. Amazing Race. I, mm-hmm. I think sometimes the Amazing Race could use a little, you know, a little more action. And I think maybe that's why I respond to the Amazing Race because I get uncomfortable when I watch Survivor because it's people being mean to each other a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have trouble watching it sometimes. No, I like that. I feel like it gives us something to talk about rather than sometimes, like, you know, I podcast about the Amazing Race, but sometimes it's it's you know it's difficult to podcast about. I find that Survivor, I could you know, today is a Thursday. I I did a two and a half hour podcast on a forty two minute Survivor episode from two nights ago. And I had already done a 45-minute podcast the night that it was on. But uh-huh. there's just no shortage of things on Survivor I feel like to talk about. But on Amazing Race, I find sometimes it's hard to uh, really get that deep into, like, okay, so what did you think about that? Like, oh, yeah, they did that pretty quick. You know, that, they did a good – that was – I think they made the right – they picked the right detour. And there's not as much to talk about. Like, oh, that cab driver really sucked. Like, the, uh-huh. you know, I feel like there's not as much – strategy to talk about and i'm actually very lucky i have a i have a woman her name is jessica Lease, who's my amazing race correspondent uh-huh. and she knows everything about the amazing race and so i get to interview her and ask her about you know my questions about about the race and she knows you know everything that ever happened on the show and i say you know well give put, put this in you know historical perspective uh is this the biggest meltdown that anybody's ever had or and she's like well actually no this happened or whatever and so, uh, so I'm very lucky to have a re- uh, resource like that. But I find sometimes Amazing Race is the hardest of those three shows to podcast about. Huh. Well, well it's, so much of it comes down to personalities. And yeah. Amazing Race, obviously, they cast uh, they cast based on type because you can say the cowboys, the blondes, right. the globe, you know, whatever. Um, that's but another like, thing, actually. While we're on that, before okay. I let you move on, because. Uh, that's another thing that I think happens a lot on The Amazing Race from what I, I... I don't know. Like, I feel like some of the contestants are people who applied to be on The Amazing Race, and some of them were gone and gotten. Gone Recruited. and cast. Yeah. yeah. When they have, like, the, the L.A. Kings Ice Girls last season, I'm sure they thought, like, oh, that's a cute, like a little subculture of hot girls we could have on the show, and that would be an interesting thing. Yeah. Hockey fans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> does, that, does that bother you? Um, does it bother me? No, not, not particularly. I mean, I feel like, you know, reality TV casting, like, isn't a meritocracy either. You know, they're going to find people that they think can bring in the ratings. Um, it, 
again, it, uh, on Survivor, I feel like in the Survivor fan community, it's a big thing when people are applicants versus recruits. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, I mean, if, if people don't know what a recruit is, you know, you could just be a guy and you're at a bar and somebody comes up to you and hands you a card and says, hey, you know, you you look like the kind of guy that we're looking for for Survivor. Would you ever do it? You should call me. And, you know, they find people that are just random people that end up on Survivor. And these people typically, uh, some, now there's exceptions to the rule, they are sort of outmatched strategically by the people who really know the game mm-hmm. well. Um, and it is it is kind of crazy that, you know, you would never have, like, on Jeopardy, they would never find somebody who doesn't even watch Jeopardy and put them on Jeopardy against people who really know how to play Jeopardy. But it happens on reality shows. And that's the, what we're, I think what I'm going way back to what we talked about early on, that, that there is something in common between these shows. They aren't just game shows. There is a documentary reality yeah. uh, part of it. Um, but I don't want to sound like about the amazing race, like I'm some sort of purist. Cause I know a lot of people have complained about the, uh, bunching that happens on the amazing race where they're they'll clearly set up a task where oh this doesn't open until 8 a.m yeah. and so all the there's a lot of there's been a lot of complaints about that among fans i love that i think that's oh a you great, like that because if you go back and watch the first season which i just did by the way yeah the second place team isn't even in the same country the as third the first the third place team. oh the third place team and they're they are in the same country Technically, oh, they're both in America, but there's like one's Alaska in Alaska, and one's in New, in New York. I think, okay. yeah, yeah, they couldn't so, be further apart and technically be in the same country. Yeah, so I mean, that's uh, I mean, I guess that's the roll of the dice, but that's not good television. To yeah, have uh, that the Amazing apart. Race like has morphed into basically every every episode is a fresh start, mm-hmm. and basically, yeah. you only have to win one leg of the race. The only race, yeah, the only leg you have to win is the last one. Every week you're going to start from scratch and it's like musical chairs. Just don't be caught without a chair this week. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you were in first the whole way or anything like that. You can't ever get that far ahead because at some point, oh, this doesn't open until uh, 9 a.m. So I guess we're here for the next eight hours. Yeah. And there are people who complain about that, but I much prefer that. I think that is it might be less pure, but it's much better television that way. What are you going to do? You know, that's, that's what the, that's what the show is. Yeah. You know, it's, you can't fight City Hall <laughs> here represented by CBS. Of course, you just can't fight him. No. Um, yeah. And and it is one of those things that ultimately, whether it be a, uh, a reality competition show or these other things that we're talking about or even scripted television, people respond to characters and character types and conflict like what something that I, I feel like, you know, movie snobs who would say like, oh, I never watch a reality show. It's like, don't get me wrong. Some of them look terrible to me. But to dismiss the entire subgenre of television and act like there's nothing you could get out of it. Yeah. It's like there there are episodes of Survivor that I've found to be and, and like certain people that have been on it and Amazing Race as well that I find just as satisfying as from a dramatic arc standpoint as as any movie or television show I've watched. Yeah. I agree. I feel like reality TV is a very broad term. And, you know, just like, you know, there's good reality TV and there's bad reality TV. It's like, you know, any art form. There's a good, you know, with the times where it's it is good and it it is others where it's it's bad. And I think that what it comes down to when it's good is storytelling. And, you know, now each of these reality TV shows 
it tells its story around a you know a premise where on survivor it's like okay what happens when we put you know 18 20 strangers on an island what ha- what's what's that story how does that unfold or people in a house or one person is going to look for love with 30 women and so you know when it's done when it's you know it doesn't always work out as a great story but a lot of times it does and mm-hmm. it's a lot of times it's a different story and it's fun to go on that journey and, you know, and start it over again with a bunch of new people. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, um, you know, uh, you and I did a, we talked about doc, film, like documentaries that are about sort of subcultures or really specific sort of yeah. human interest things. And I think there's a, there is, uh, there's a whole strain of great reality shows or, or formerly great reality shows in the, in the, in, in Project Runway's case, which I still, still watch, but that are, as much as they are competitions, they are also this look into this weird, like, hermetic subculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not, I mean, you've got Top Chef is, I, I guess, Deadly, Deadliest thing, Catch you know? is one. But, but I guess I'm, I'm talking about the competition. Oh, one. okay. Did, yeah. Did yeah. you watch King of the Nerds? Uh, no, I haven't watched Oh, uh, King of the Nerds was great. I loved King of the Nerds. <laughs> but now there's, uh, what's the one? It's a few seasons old now about the, like monster makeup face off yeah. is that what it's called yeah. something like that like that's so cool that it's while it's also it's a game show and a documentary it's also this like look into this subculture yeah uh and so i think to put a bow on it to bring it back to your point Tyler, mm-hmm. i think people who might, might dismiss re- reality tv out of hand because they're cinema snobs or whatever yeah. are missing out on some potentially eye-opening uh looks at the world and humanity absolutely and i think that is where we will have to end it and uh so yeah well thank you so much Rob, for being this is a really fun conversation oh good well i i'm happy to uh, be here uh, i was yeah even as someone who doesn't watch survivor i was actually it was like wrapped with all the uh conversation about it oh well thank you <laughs> <laughs> so um it's fun it, it's it can be very fun uh Listeners, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you find this podcast and all the other podcasts and the BP fleet. And that's also where you find all our movie review movie reviews, both theatrical and home video releases. Uh, you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. You can email Tyler, tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is the TV podcast, Hey, Watch This, with Paul and David that I do with King of TV, Paul Goebel. Um, this week, we are talking about the season finale of Adventure Time. They did a 52-episode season, so that's a big, long oh. one. And we are talking about the series premiere of From Dusk Till Dawn, the series. Hmm. Um, on El Rey. So that'll be a fun conversation. Um, that's where you can find us. Rob, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Sure. My uh, main website is robhasawebsite.com. That's where you can listen to all of my reality TV podcasts at uh, Rob Has a Podcast. And then uh, my scripted uh, TV podcast is at Post Show Recaps. We're about to kick off. When is this going to go up? Uh, Sunday night. Uh, Sunday night. Oh, perfect. Because we're going to kick off the, the uh, 10 days of Game of Thrones. So Game of Thrones live. We're going to recap one episode a day for the, for their uh, 10 weekdays in a row leading up to uh, Game of Thrones live kicking off on uh, Sunday uh, that the Game of Thrones premieres. Uh, I don't remember the date off the top of my head at 10, 15 p.m. And uh, we're going to recap live uh, Game of Thrones on Sunday nights. And, uh, and on post show recaps, uh, 
as movie season like kind of kicks into yes. gear, uh, yes. I'll, I myself will be a little bit more involved in that. Uh, as it is, you can go and listen to me and Rob talk about Robo- Robocop, Robocop, which yes. no one gave a shit about, as it turns out. <laughs> um, but people apparently like to hear what we had to say about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I was on talking with a number of the uh, contributors discussing the uh, the passing of Harold Ramis. And that was a lot of it was a lot of fun talking about that. So so yeah, you can find that at postshowrecaps.com. What was more sad, the passing of Harold Ramis or Robocop? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, if there if there is a Ramus cop, I'd be I'd be okay. Like like they rebuild him and he's like thirty percent funnier. I'd be I'd be good with that. Have you, uh, did you guys do one for? Are you doing one for Divergent this week? No, no. I, okay. I just feel like I don't well, know where the it's he, terrible. Yeah, I saw it the other night. It's really bad. I feel like I feel like a, a thing like Divergent. I feel like. Um, that I'm sure it, it probably is not is not good, but I just don't know where the humor is going to come is going to come from because I oh, feel like there's a lot to make fun of. Well, it's a really, <laughs> it's really I just feel like movie. the people who care about it that much are going to be super serious and, right, and right, like right. you know give you like a, a million uh, down votes on YouTube. Yeah, and the people that are going to think it's funny are they really going to sit through an hour of you talking about Divergent? Like I would, but yeah. then that's that's me. I I should probably I I shouldn't necessarily try to cater to myself. I already do in so many other ways, but uh, anyway, okay. So yeah, I think uh, we will we will end there. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 